Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. This is WSBT's Community Update on 96.1 WSBT. Good morning, I'm John Hoffman. It came as a shock to almost everyone Tuesday morning when the FDA and CDC recommended a pause in the use of the Johnson & Johnson coronavirus vaccine. That recommendation came after six people developed rare blood clots after getting the shot. The pause is expected to last several days while more research is done on those six cases. Doctors say this type of reaction is extremely rare and this move was done out of an abundance of caution. That recommendation to pause use of Johnson & Johnson's vaccine caught almost everyone off guard this morning, including Indiana State Department of Health, but they quickly followed suit. We are also recommending a pause on the Johnson & Johnson vaccine across the entire state of Indiana. We have notified all of our vaccine providers um, that we are going to be pausing until further notice. The state said it currently has enough supply of Pfizer and Moderna to make up for Johnson & Johnson appointments. They say it depends on how long this pause lasts. We need more vaccine here in Indiana. So any time that we have to, uh, where we're receiving less or don't have the ability to give as much as we would like, then of course that, that may hurt our vaccine efforts. Michigan soon followed Indiana and made a recommendation to pause use of the vaccine. The Berrien County Health Department was set to hold a J&J vaccine clinic on Thursday, but will now use Moderna instead. Andrews University in Berrien Springs was set to receive shipments of the vaccine to administer to students. That's now on hold until further notice. We've dealt with these complications before. The most important thing for us is, you know, every time we get a vaccine, you know, that's less one less person who can get COVID. HealthLink clinics were set to do more than a thousand J&J shots this week. They are now also pivoting to Moderna and CEO Beth Robles says they could sustain that switch for quite some time. Doctors say if you have already received the vaccine, there's no reason to panic. If you're 14 days out, there should be no risk at all to you as a patient. Uh, if it's less than 14 days, I think that uh, you should be aware that the, the, the side effects of the symptoms that occur with this particular problem are severe headache, numbness, weakness, and, and if any of those were to occur, they should uh, go directly to the emergency room for uh, further evaluation. The six cases reported so far have all occurred in women. Dr. Harris says we will know a lot more once these cases are reviewed by the feds. WSBT 22's Max Lewis reporting. Governor Gretchen Whitmer this week urged Michigan high schools to suspend in-person learning, youth sports, and all activities for two weeks. She called for high schools to switch back to virtual learning. Within hours of Whitmer's request, some school district leaders had already said no to pausing in-person learning and sports. The governor also asked for no indoor dining at Michigan bars and restaurants for two weeks. A number of local restaurants were not happy to hear that. They say going back and forth between carryout only and limited dine-in was tough. And they're not happy about her request, but both restaurants are using it as an opportunity to reinforce the safety protocols that are already in place. Takeout orders is something Woodfire Trattoria didn't do a lot of before the pandemic. Chef Cheryl Horucci says they're back to their pre-coronavirus numbers with dine-in and takeout. Horucci says there shouldn't be any problems with the virus as long as restaurants and customers follow safety orders. So if everybody uses common sense, 
and practices safe, uh, following the strict restrictions and guidelines, I don't think we we need to uh, close down. She's recommending takeout and no dine-in. Stacy Fisher with Stacy's Food and Spirits says it's difficult to do 50% dine-in and carry-out at the same time. Mark Jamrod from Edwardsburg says the virus has really hurt business owners and they need to be able to run their business. We're following the recommendations and we don't need sort of a dictator at the gubernatorial level to tell us uh, what to do and what not to do. We're, we're smart enough to figure that out. I wish, I wish she wouldn't recommend it, but I, I guess, you know, she's doing her job too. So if we could just find a balance and we're working towards that and we'll continue wearing our masks. Both restaurants will be staying open as normal with dine-in and carry-out. And they tell me they're really hoping to not go back to carry-out only. WSBT 22's Erica Finke reporting. An update now on coronavirus vaccination and treatment efforts in St. Joseph County and Indiana from County Deputy Health Officer Dr. Mark Fox on WSBT 22's First in the Morning. The official CDC guidance still suggests that people, if they aren't fully vaccinated, that they ought to self-quarantine, kind of lay low and consider getting tested. Realistically, I don't think people are planning to do that or will do that. So most important thing is to really be attentive to symptoms Think about how risky your behavior was. I mean, was your travel pattern reasonably safe? Were you eating outdoors? Were you masked in public spaces and things like that? And then continuing all those mitigation strategies here upon your return. And, and if you're uncertain, then consider getting a test you know, within a few days after your return to try to minimize the risk of exposing anyone else. Okay, I know you are the St. Joseph County Deputy Health Officer and you, you are hyper-focused on St. Joseph County, but obviously the virus doesn't know borders. Michigan is dramatically different than the picture that we're seeing in Indiana, even though Indiana is seeing a bit of an upward trend. It's nothing like the state of Michigan, 7,000 new cases a day. What's going on in Michigan that's not happening in Indiana? You know, I think the big difference is that Michigan got hit early with variants. I mean, at Christmas time, they were reporting cases of variants, pretty significant prevalence at that time. So that's had several months to ramp up really before there was effective vaccine rollout. So I think it was the timing um, that has impacted Michigan more dramatically than, than Indiana. Although I have to say in St. Joseph County, we're not quite like Michigan, but we're more like Michigan than we are like Indianapolis. Why is that? You know, I don't know if it's bleed over from the border, uh, some of those variant cases. We still don't have a lot of reported cases of variants, but you know, our seven day rolling average of cases is up about 75% over the last month. The state as a whole is up 50%. Um, so clearly there is an increase in activity within the state and in our county. Any lessons we should be learning from what's happening uh, just north of the state line? You know, I do think it's it's mostly a function of, of really bad luck and bad timing with the variants. I also think they've had more struggles with vaccine rollout because it's been handled more at the county level rather than a statewide unified approach. So I actually feel pretty good about our vaccine rollout in Indiana. Speaking of vaccines, Johnson & Johnson uh, this week, of course, we saw the big hit a couple of weeks ago at the Baltimore plant, 15 million doses that were supposed to go out into arms now won't, and they're expecting a dramatic reduction. Is St. Joseph County going to be impacted by that? At this point, I don't think we'll be dramatically impacted. You know, the, the use of J&J &J within the state has largely been around the mass vaccination sites. So I don't know 
You know, the biggest of those is at the Speedway in Indianapolis. I don't know how that'll be impacted. Here in St. Joseph County, it will have a, a minimal impact. It's been anywhere from one to two weeks since Indiana has eased some of its restrictions, mask mandate to an advisory, for an example, even though locally, in a couple of cases, we're still seeing the mandate still in place. Are we seeing any kind of negative impact from either an easing of restrictions in, in restaurants and other businesses and the, the advisory taking over for the mandate on a bigger scale? So as I said, over the last month, the, the seven-day rolling average of cases in the state is up just over 50%. So a month ago, that preceded the governor's announcement by about a week. Um, the mask advisory for the state is only a week old now, so really don't expect to see an impact of that yet. But I think the, the run into that, the week or 10 days leading up to that, kind of gave people the sense that, oh, things must be getting better. And this is one of the things that we worried about. And you're concerned that within the next couple of weeks, we'll start to see some ramifications of that? Yeah, with, with the easing of the advisory, with spring break travel, and just increased prevalence of variants, I do expect us to continue to see an increase in cases. How is the increase in vaccinations going to mitigate that, or will it mitigate it enough? It will ultimately, but the full impact of that probably is going to be still another four weeks out. So I think we'll see an increase over the next four weeks before it really begins to come down. Pfizer is looking for emergency use authorization for 12 to 15 year olds now after going through some level of its trial. Uh, are you telling parents to, <clears throat> pardon me, that they really should consider that if, if the FDA does give the EAU on that? Oh, or I'm EUA. certainly hopeful that the that the EUA will come through and absolutely would recommend it for adolescents and, and hopefully soon to follow the 6 to 11-year-olds as well. Yeah, we're, we're noticing that uh, some universities, Notre Dame has included, mandating the vaccine be in all the arms for the, the students coming back to class in the fall. Do you think something like that should be considered for other area school districts, not just at university level, but some of the younger places as well? If you are eligible to get the shot, you should. You know, I think the thing about colleges is the residential aspect. That certainly ups the ante. But yes, I absolutely think that the more teachers and students are vaccinated in area K through 12 schools, the safer it's going to be through the next academic year. So personally, I would recommend it. I think we'll be talking about it with the Board of Health to see what advice they might make for area schools. Would that well. be a mandate that the students who are eligible get the shot, or was that just a strong recommendation? No, I think that would probably be come out as a strong recommendation to give the school board something to hang their hat on if, if they can make it a requirement. Dr. Mark Fox on WSBT 22's First in the Morning. New allegations came to light this week against a captain at the South Bend Fire Department. A letter written by the department's women firefighters alleges a culture where sexual harassment and discrimination is the norm. It stems from an incident the women say was not taken seriously. These allegations were first reported in the South Bend Tribune. WSBT obtained a copy of that letter in which the women firefighters say that the city and the department have failed them. The signs outside South Bend Fire Department say it's a safe place, but women firefighters say inside it is not. According to the letter, the incident happened at Fire Station 8 in the Twickenham Hills neighborhood on Christmas Eve last year. It alleges that a male South Bend fire captain was verbally harassing a female firefighter. When she tried to get away, the letter says the captain, quote, not only demeaned, harassed, and blocked her escape, but also battered her by striking her in the head. The incident was reported to Human Resources and the captain was placed on unpaid leave for three days. The women firefighters were outraged. 
Quote, the fire department administration, the city, and the board of public safety have failed the women of the South Bend Fire Department, they wrote. We come to work expecting a workplace free of harassment and violence, yet when it occurs, it is treated like a slap on the wrist, even when the accused captain freely admits to the actions. Records obtained by WSBT 22 show that Fire Chief Carl Buchanan didn't even mention the physical contact in his disciplinary notice to the Board of Public Safety. In a statement, Mayor Mueller's office told us that they take these allegations seriously and city officials have met with the firefighters that raised the concerns. Councilman Henry Davis Jr. released a statement this afternoon where he called for the prosecution of the captain. Davis writing, quote, there is no place for this type of behavior in our world. We need to make sure that all city employees are held to a higher standard of service and commitment to to all residents. And in the letter, the women demanded a safe workplace free of harassment and discrimination. We did reach out to the South Bend Firefighters Union for comment, but did not hear back. WSBT 22's Max Lewis reporting. For the past year, kids have been learning very differently. The pandemic means a lot of classrooms have moved to Zoom. The WSBT 22's Caitlin Conan reports learning loss might not be the biggest concern. Teachers say the learning loss that kids will be dealing with this year is not something to ignore, but they say educators have always been creative about getting kids caught up and they're confident they can do it again. The biggest concern for this year-long absence from the classroom is the social and emotional impact. Chloe Gibbs is an assistant professor at the University of Notre Dame. She says we need to be particularly worried about the early childhood years. That's when we think this kind of development of, of socialization and emotional regulation, behavioral skills is really important. Things like figuring out how to play with peers, learning how to listen to adults, and generally interacting in a group setting are vital for setting students up for success. Their successful progress through school, but also their transitions out of school into the labor market, going on for higher education. It's not entirely clear how deep of an impact the past year will have on kids. But a lot of the implications of those skill developments manifest like many years later. But it's not just pre-K and elementary students we should be worried about. Mental health experts say we need to worry about older kids too. Especially for those children who might be doing school by themselves at home if their parents are working or not available, it's a lot of isolation. Yeah. Clinical psychologist Michelle Mania says if you're lonely, it can be hard to maintain a healthy level of self-worth. We don't get that positive validation of being around other children or even other adults. It can be challenging to feel like we fit in or that we belong or that we're okay. And older students might be mourning the loss of rites of passage. And those are things that they have looked forward to, um, you know, whether it was um, being the lead in the school musical or maybe it was being uh, this, the starting forward on the basketball team. Jim Bennett is the department chair of education for Bethel University. He says learning loss is absolutely a concern, but Bennett says social and emotional concerns have to be addressed first. And so as educators, it's like you have to peel some of those back and deal with those situations before you can get to the actual learning that needs to take place. Bennett says learning loss is absolutely something teachers are thinking about right now, but he says those concerns can be addressed with one-on-one -on -one attention and summer learning opportunities. WSBT 22's Caitlin Conan. The views expressed on WSBT's community update are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the views of the host, WSBT Radio, its staff, or management. Join us again next week on Community Update on The Sports Leader, 96.1 WSBT. 
Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 